The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to From the Pulpit on the Restoration Radio Network. I am your host, Matthew Arthur, and on this episode, I am presenting sermons by Bishop Daniel Dolan and Father Joseph Selway. We are pleased to present From the Pulpit free of charge to our listeners by the generous sponsorship of sggresources.org. On this episode, Bishop Dolan and Father Selway will be discussing why Lent exists and why it is necessary. And now we present From the Pulpit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. We stand at the doorway of the most sacred season of the liturgical year, the 40 days of Lent. Historically, there have always been times set aside, given over to some form of penance or reconciliation to God and often with the mystical number of 40 attached to it. In the Old Testament, God would often require such periods of reparation from men. About 2,300 years before the birth of Christ, owing to the enormity of the sins of the human race, God decreed that rain fall upon the earth, and so it did, 40 days and 40 nights, to appease the justice of God. About 1,400 years before the birth of Christ, the Israelites were made to undergo a long penance as God's chosen people They had been blessed with plenty. They were sent prophets to instruct them, to keep them on the straight way. And they ignored these prophets. They were even delivered from the bondage in Egypt. But God's chosen people were ungrateful and unfaithful. And for this, God made them to wander in the desert for a time of 40 years. Moses as well, before he could stand before God on Mount Sinai to receive the tablets of stone, 
was ordered by God to fast for 40 days. And Elias was summoned by God to Mount Horeb, but again was ordered to prepare himself by 40 days fast. Finally, Christ himself, before beginning the great work of his public life, was, as we read in Scripture, led by the Spirit into the desert to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And so, Holy Mother Church will now follow the example of our Lord and will set before us this period of 40 days to which we are about to enter to prepare for the great festival of Easter. It would do us well to examine briefly the earlier, some of the earlier Lenten practices of the church, although these, were, these practices, for the most part, are no longer in effect. They do give us an insight as to the spirit that Holy Mother Church proposes to us for the Lenten season. Concerning the fast, previously there were no light collations taken outside of the principal meal. Thus, you would only have one principal meal, and that, even that, could not be taken until after sunset, and meat and dairy products were not permitted. You will notice in your missiles if you have the opportunity to attend the weekday Masses during the season of Lent, that there is a special Mass dedicated for each day in Lent. Each day has its own propers. You will also notice that the Mass is prefaced by, the ti- by a title of a stational church for that day. Now this reminds us of the former custom in Rome by which all of the faithful gather together on each day during Lent and would make a procession to one of the churches in Rome. So every day a church would be selected and they would make this public procession. And often the liturgical text of the Mass for that day would be set to the patrons of those churches. So, for example, this Thursday, the Thursday after Ash Wednesday, the faithful would process to the Church of St. George. And so, for that Mass on Thursday, you will notice the stational church is that of St. George. And so, Holy Mother Church has appropriately set the Gospel for that day to the soldier, centurion, because St. George was a soldier saint. And so we have the gospel of the centurion who came to our Lord in Capernaum. Public penances were often imposed. In the 5th century, we find that a penitent who had committed 
certain grave sins were made to garb themselves in a sackcloth and stand at the church door, a most humiliating penance, a great deterrent for sinners. And so they were made to stand there before the Mass every day, every morning of Lent. And this would go from Ash Wednesday until Holy Thursday. And this was required in order to receive the absolution at the end of the Lenten season. For our Catholic ancestors, the 40 days of Lent were considered to be a type of retreat. It was a time of salvation and conversion for the whole Catholic world. And as we can see, this has died out. This has died out, unfortunately. And our culture does not in any way help to remind us of the great benefits of this holy season. Unfortunately, many times it goes by, it passes by unnoticed. We might make a fast and make it in such a way that we suffer least, the least possible. But we often forget to enter into the spirit of this season. But typically in most parishes there would be, for example, a series of Lenten sermons given each day. And so you would begin your day by going to church and listening to a Lenten sermon. And then you were put into, you might say, the spirit of the season. And you would go about your duties, however, but refrain from attending public exhibitions or parties in order to maintain this Lenten spirit. On Wednesday, we shall receive the solemn invitation of Holy Mother Church to enter into this sacred time. And the first words we will hear from Holy Mother Church as she places the ashes on the head, she will say to us, Memento homo quia pulvises, Remember, man, thou art dust, and unto dust thou shalt return. And why does she begin this way? She does so in order to help us enter this holy season with a greater seriousness and earnest. And so I counsel all of you to make an effort to attend the ceremony of the ashes on Wednesday. It is a time to begin. It is a time to become serious about the things of the soul. Penance is difficult, it is true. In fact, is it not an evil to impose pain on ourselves? It is an evil. And without the proper intention, it would be evil. Are we not made to be happy? Penance is contrary to our nature. God has made us to be happy. So how could we possibly urge ourselves to enter into 40 days of self-denial without a certain dread? We are also very busy. We have much to do, and we always do. 
And it is not easy to break away from our normal routine of work or pleasure, even legitimate, and give attention to things spiritual. And so Holy Mother Church echoes the sad reminder and sentence given to our first parents when they were cast out of paradise. We read in Genesis, In the sweat of thy face, God said to Adam and Eve, Thou shalt eat bread till thou return to the earth, out of which thou wast taken. For dust thou art, and into dust thou shalt return. And they were driven from paradise. They forfeited their right to happiness in this Garden of Eden. They forfeited this right for us, and we no longer live in the Garden of Eden. And so Holy Mother Church wishes to remind us of this sad fact. We are children of Adam and Eve, and we have lost that right. She wishes to remind us that life is very short and soon comes to an end. It is but an instant of the eternity to which each of us is marching and getting closer day by day. And so the little discomforts we suffer in the body and the meager pleasures we deny ourselves are but nothing in light of eternal bliss, which these sacrifices will gain for us. Yes, God has bade us to be happy. We cannot possibly love pain or penance in itself. Nor can we even willingly enter into the Lenten season, except with a spirit of faith. But the faith teaches us, the faith teaches us, that our paradise is not here. We have not reached heaven yet. We have but a little time to wait, a little sacrifice to make, little sufferings to endure, and then we pass from this instant of eternity into an eternity of bliss. And there in heaven our Father, God our Father, awaits us to return. But we must work a little first, and we must repair the damage caused by sin. So let us enter the holy season of Lent with a spirit of faith, keeping the vision of heaven before us. Thou art dust, and unto dust thou shalt return. This life will pass. And so with firm determination, we, by the spirit of faith, can deny ourselves by giving up sin, the first requirement as we enter the season. We must give up sin, attachments to sin, and the occasions of sin. And then we must take up the cross by the daily observance of the commandments, especially these next 40 days. We must be very energetic in the observance of God's law. And finally, follow Christ these next 40 days all the way to the cross, to Calvary, and there, having died with him, we may rise with him in glory. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We would like to remind you that you are listening to From the Pulpit on the Restoration Radio Network. I am your host, Matthew Arthur, and I am presenting sermons by Bishop Dolan and Father Selway on the subjects of why Lent exists and why it is a necessity. We want to remind you that From the Pulpit is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail at truerestoration.org. And now for the continuation of From the Pulpit. Why stand you here all the day idle? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In today's Mass, everybody's got a question. The Gospel. Why stand you here all the day idle? Makes me think of those Mexican day laborers in Santa Fe, out before dawn, standing on the streets, waiting to be hired. And some of them, poor souls, still standing out there in the street by early afternoon because no man hath hired us. St. Paul starts the epistle this Super Bowl Sunday with a question, a sports question, whose answer even I know. Don't you know that they who run in the race run to win? Well, of course they do. That's why they strategize and exercise and practice and plan and sometimes, say, take drugs or deflate the odd football just a little. And they're willing to sacrifice their limbs and maybe their lives certainly their life expectancy. Oh, yes, for money and a chance at fame, but still, and most of all, to win. Strife, conflict, for no good purpose. It's about winning, at least for athletes. But what about for Catholics? That would be a good question to ask Catholics, what is it about? And after all, as you're asking questions, you're learning, aren't you? How does anybody learn except by asking questions? God bless then the patient parents and teachers and priests who answer many, many questions. A grandmother At our last baptism a few weeks ago, nicely dressed and properly veiled, asked me why women are supposed to cover their heads in a Catholic church. That's a good question. Would you know the answer? Do you remember the story I told you just a few years ago? It's a great tale. It's called, What Causes Arthritis? A drunk smelling strongly of liquor sits down in a subway next to a priest. The man's tie was stained, his hair and clothing disheveled, and there was a half-empty bottle of gin sticking out of his coat pocket. Well, he opens his newspaper 
and begins reading, but after a few minutes, he turns to the priest and he asks, Say, Father, do you know what causes arthritis? And the priest, surveying him severely, replies, My son, it's caused by loose living, too much drink, and, catching a whiff, lack of a bath. The trunk only muttered mildly in response, Well, I'll be. And then he returned to his paper. The priest returned to his prayer book, the breviary, but started to regret what he had said. And so he says, look, I'm, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to come on so strong. How long have you had arthritis? The drunk answers, oh, I don't have arthritis, Father, but I was just reading here in the paper that the Pope does. <laughs> the, the moral of the story is make sure you understand the question before you answer before you offer an answer. Now, what if, say, two, three weeks from now, you're out with your friends some night after work, and suddenly you notice one who usually has his favorite brew, maybe some kind of a microbrew or whatever, and instead of beer, he orders, as we would say in Michigan, a pop. And then, and then you remember to yourself, and you say it out loud, Oh, it's Lent, isn't it? And then someone in the group who's not a Catholic says, Lent, what is that all about? And why do you Catholics give up stuff for Lent? What would you say? How would you answer why? For this new season, the season of the 70, and then on into the 40, Why don't we move on from signs which tell you what to the why? In other words, red means stop and green go, but why? And why do we have traffic signs at all? Questions about your faith. After all, you didn't go to the seminary, and the average Catholic has a pretty spotty training at best, unless you went to a traditional Catholic school for at least several years in a row. All you're going on is fumes sometimes. That is to say, some spotty, what, first communion catechism, if that, vaguely remembered, and then little snitches of what you think Father said, bits of it from a sermon, It's not your fault, but you should know why, the whys of Catholicism. So why Lent? Well, we should probably start with a what question for that one. I can't resist. The teacher in me says, well, I've got to give a definition right away. What's Lent? Lent is 40 days of fasting in preparation for Easter, in reparation for our sins, in imitation of our Lord Four times ten gives you forty. Ten, keep the Ten Commandments. What is Lent? First of all, it's fasting. Fasting sort of expanded means generically self-denial, or as we Catholics would say, giving things up. And then secondly, there are three weapons of Lent, remember. Secondly, Lent is a time of prayer, more prayer and better prayer, reading prayer. 
And then thirdly, it's not only giving up, but it's giving away. Lent is your time to give to the poor, to the church, to those who are in need, whether it be food or money or clothing or something along those lines. That's called giving alms. That's the, that's the first point, Lent, 40 days. Second, in preparation for Easter, because Easter is the goal. In the early church, it was for converts or catechumens, their time of intensive training and moral scrutiny. For a little bit later on, towards the beginning of the Middle Ages, it was the time for those who had committed mortal sins to do a public penance for 40 days in ashes. And they were outside the church. They were only at the mass of the catechumens, as we still call it that today. And then later on, everyone started imitating out of humility, because humility is truth. And then, in reparation for our sins, that gives you the two, preparation, reparation, converts, penitence. Finally, last of all, fourth, in imitation of our Lord. Why do we keep Lent? Well, our Lord did. And St. Thomas Aquinas said once, beautifully, it rhymes, Omnis Christi Axio, Nostra est instructio. Every action of Christ is for our instruction. Our Lord fasted for 40 days in the desert with which to begin his public life of preaching, teaching, and miracles that would lead to his passion and death. Our Lord did not pass, as some Catholics would like to, directly from Christmas to Easter, and neither may we. Not if we expect to follow him to heaven. Today, even many Protestants see the value of Lent, of doing some form of penance. Although in the old days, Bishop Sheen used to say, the Catholic attitude is first the fast and then the feast. But for Protestants, and I would say for the worldly, whether they are Catholics or non-Catholics, First comes the feast, and then comes the hangover. Lent, is it in the Bible? Well, obviously so. Our Lord fasted, that's the gospel, for the first Sunday of Lent. If Lent means a 40-day fast, and it does, Scripture is full of fasts. That is to say, Moses and Elias and Jonah the prophet preaching a fast to the pagans of Nineveh. And why always 40? 40, I think, is sort of the standard biblical number for, for a period of time. One author says it stands for judgment and spiritual testing. I would say it stands for probation and for penance. Think of the story of Noah and the flood and all those sections of 40 days. And then the 40 years of the wandering of the children of the Hebrews in the desert of sin until they reach the promised land. But why the number 40? The best explanation I've come across is a pro-life one. That is to say that it is at 40 weeks that a child in the womb is considered viable, would be able to survive at birth. And Lent is all about birth, a spiritual rebirth for us, and it's a chance and that's a wonderful thing. Forty. Forty actually gives the name in the Latin, the official name for Lent, quadragesima, forties. 
40th, and um, in the Spanish, Cuaresima, in the French, Carême, it's all based on 40. What do we call Lent? Lent. Why? From the old Anglo-Saxon word for spring, because the lengthening, Lent means lengthening in the old Anglo-Saxon, the lengthening of the days, and symbolically they say, well, that means you're meant to lengthen your penance and your prayers and lengthen the sorrow for your sins. Spring is our spiritual tune-up. Lent is our spiritual spring. So then, Lent is indeed in the Bible, and our Lord gives us the example, and he tells us that we must fast. And what will happen if we don't fast? We shall likewise perish. And he tells us how we should fast. We must be joyful. Lent is a happy season and not a sad one. Lent is then technically a period of 40 days of fasting before Easter. What does it mean to fast? Fast means not to eat. In the early centuries in Rome, nobody did. From Monday through Saturday, inclusive, they ate nothing at all day, had mass in the late afternoon, and at sunset broke their fast with a vegan meal. That's the original Catholic Lent. Later on, it came, became more and more and more modified until finally it's our, our rules, which allow one full meal of dinner per day, say, some lunch, not too big, and then a bite of, a bite of breakfast. I call that the American plan. It's very simple to calculate. A full meal, and at that full meal in the American plan, you can actually eat meat, and then the other two meals, meatless, if you put them together, they'd still be less than the one main one. That's how it's calculated anymore. It's not much, but at least it's something. And of course, you're not allowed to eat between meals, and that's perhaps the hard part. In the United States, we were the only ones who kept any form of fasting by we got, by the time we reached Vatican II. In uh, Central and South America, due to poverty and other causes, the fast had been long dispensed, as also in Europe, due to the wars. Only Americans kept the fast. It's a glorious tradition. We should not give it up. The Novus Ordo says that we should practice some form of positive penance instead. I came across the story of a father who, buying into the changes, one year calls his family together and says, right, kids, this year, instead of giving up candy and desserts, I want you each to think about one sin in particular that you're rather fond of, and I want you to give that up. So one of the boys in the family decided that he would give up fighting with his brothers and sisters because he dearly loved doing that. And about halfway through Lent, the father is checking with his children as to how they're doing. And he asks his son, how are you doing with your Lent? And he says, well, Dad, I'm doing pretty good, but I'll tell you this, I can't wait till Easter. Well, (laughs) perhaps he'd just better stick with giving up candy. That's the idea of it, truly. The sacrifice of it, it makes a kind of a kiddie fast. It means, as the Old Testament prophets say, that everybody can and should fast. It's the stamp of spiritual growth. It's a step towards self-control. But Lent is not meant to be for us 
a sort of a New Year's resolution round two. What is it? Strictly speaking, it means, as I say, this fasting from food, not eating between meals, except if you're dispensed, and nursing mothers or uh, those who are expecting, a, women expecting a child are automatically dispensed. If you're doing heavy work or there's a health question, why you'd consult with the priest in the confessional to receive your dispensation. Everybody gives up something that surely is the Catholic idea, children, candy, and desserts for adults, perhaps drinking or smoking, TV, again, everyone, internet, that's a good one to give up, sleep in your own time to assist at daily mass or more masses to do spiritual reading, self-discipline and self-control to atone for your sins, to make yourself strong and to sin no more. The point is not to shed pounds, it's to sacrifice yourself in union with Christ's sufferings, and that's the source of spiritual growth. This is the season, Septuagesima, when we start planning for Quadragesima, the 40 days. When we start planning out a strategy, not for a football game, but for the serious work of saving our souls. This race has only one course, one place, where it is run. For this job, workers wanting to be hired have to wait on just one street. And it's the Via Dolorosa, the sorrowful way, the way of the cross. And we will wait this year with St. Francis of Assisi, who says, follow the footsteps of the poor and crucified Christ. Lent? That's why. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for joining us on From the Pulpit. If you have any questions for Bishop Daniel Dolan or Father Joseph Selway, or feedback on this episode, please contact us at pulpit at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to these clergy. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful or beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a mass, a rosary or even simply a Hail Mary for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Matthew Arthur. May God bless you.
This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.